This is the Build Your Path podcast, where we explore how people get into their careers in the built environment. As we continue our coverage for Women in Construction Week, we are joined by Sandra Benson. Sandra is the Global Head of Industry Transformation at Procore Technologies and sits down with us to talk the future of the industry and how men can be allies for women in the workforce. Welcome on into the Build Your Path podcast. I am your host, Matthew Pine, and joining me again for another podcast highlighting WIC Week is the president of MCCEI, Jennifer Sproul. Thanks for having me, Matt. Glad to have you back. And uh, our guest today is... Hi, guys. My name is Sandra Benson. Um, I am I'm the Global Head of Industry Transformation at Procore. I'm also a member of the Board of Directors of the National Institute of Building Sciences, and in my spare time, a member of the Board of Advisors for Via Technic. So it's nice to be here today. Sandra, welcome to the show. Uh, glad to have you. Um, you know, can you just give our audience a little bit of uh, an insight into how you got to where you are now, whether it be in your early life, your schooling, just throughout your career? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, You know, I don't really have a a specific, my pathway was very windy. I I didn't have a specific straight road. Um, But uh, so a few things. I grew up in the South in a very traditional Southern family. And I have to say, honestly, I never considered construction or engineering at all when I was in school. Um, You know, I, I, but I was very fortunate to have a mother and father who thought I could do anything I wanted to. So, for example, my older brother got a motorcycle. Well, then I wanted a motorcycle and I actually still ride one to this day. Um, But as I got into high school, you know, my father thought my brother should probably go to, obviously we lived in Georgia, so we thought my brother should go to Georgia Tech and get into engineering and that I should probably go to the University of Georgia more for liberal arts education which is fine, but I, I don't really, I like to do the opposite of what someone suggests sometimes. And that has followed me throughout my career. So uh, yeah, so that's what I did. I went the other way. So ended up in the engineering firm and um, that's really where I thought I would stay. Um, And, but I got drafted into an implementation of what was called an ERP back in those days. And uh, no one wanted to do it. I was the new kid on the block, so they drug me into it. And um, I just found it fascinating how you could take technology to processes and also how you can take uh, Mm -hmm. finance, the back end finance with what's going on in the field and bring those together. Um, So that sort of put me on another turn in my road, if you will, went back, got my MBA and essentially started working then and for the rest of my career, honestly, with technology and how it applies to construction. So that's led me from working for J.D. Edwards Oracle to being a CIO at a very large EPC to running uh, AWS's engineering construction. Um, And now, as you've heard, um, my my great role with Procore, as well as being on this board. So I had no idea that I would end up here, um, but I think it's about being open to the possibilities when they come along. Absolutely. I recently said to somebody the other day, they asked me what my one piece of advice I could give to someone. And I said, just like make the scary choices. Because mm-hmm. it seems like you do that a lot in your life. Do you have any advice related to that? Yes, I do. So I do that. I don't, I don't, I don't, isn't that I don't have fear because I do, I think everyone does, but, you know, I know for me, like when, um, 
when it became obvious that the, the Nibs appointment was going to be a conflict with Amazon, it was very scary to me. Like, should I stay where I was safe or should I make the leap and do what I thought was best? And, um, and I made the leap and uh, I, it was, great and i think every time i reach that point of fear um you know i do jump and, and i've told people this many times if i look back on my career if i have anything that i've ever regretted it's usually not by not by jumping sooner by staying clinging to something a little too long mm -hmm. yeah i mean well you think about it amazon obviously is an amazing company but now you've landed at a place that seems way more aligned with your mission, your goals. Um, Procore is awesome. So, and and obviously, so are you. So, I'm really excited for you and and to see what you have already done in such a short time at Procore has been amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it's interesting. When I left Amazon, I knew Procore is really where I wanted to go um, because, as you guys know, I mean, I'm very very focused on productivity and improving construction, the lives of people in construction. So now I'm not broad and much more narrow into just this industry. It makes me very happy and proud. So with that, I mean, obviously you're very passionate about the construction <laughs> industry. Uh, what, what drives that passion for you? You know, that is one of the things everyone always says about me is like, well, you're really passionate. Yeah, I can't help it. It's just like, it's in my blood. Um, but you know, I love the idea of just going from an idea to a structure that literally can live on, you know, and we think in the U.S. of decades. But if you go to like Italy, one of my favorite places in the world, th these structures have lived on for centuries mm -hmm. and they're beautiful pieces of art. And I really love how that works. Um, my father, as I mentioned earlier, you know, he always told me that there were two things money can't buy. And one was an education and the second was a, a sense of pride. And I always feel proud when I see a structure that I've had any influence in, no matter how small. Uh, and that makes me, uh, I think that's what keeps me motivated. Awesome. And you uh, alluded, it, alluded to it a little bit earlier about you didn't really know that it, uh, construction was going to be for you. Um, <laughs> but what do you think at the, at the base level, what do you think the education system can do specifically to show young girls a pathway in construction? You know, I, I think that's really where where the where there's so much opportunity. I I don't think, you know, when I was in school, you know, we would go to career counselors or whatever. But I don't think anyone ever mentioned to me construction um, in any way or even engineering. Um, so I, I'm really happy to see what's going on now in the industry. So I, I think the stakeholders and there's so many stakeholders in the whole built environment. But I think partnering with like K through 12. Um, you know, educational programs, just like um, Procore is is partnering with you guys, right? And um, providing resources and for education educators and students, and adding new curriculum so people will start to think about, wow, you know, I never really thought about that. Or games, you know, um, we've got this uh, game called Brick by Brick. It's like, you know, it's a game and it's it's fun. Um, but I think those these kind of partnerships, you know, they kind of push back on that stereotype that says construction is all like on the top of a roof and, you know, hammering nails and and really open up the whole world opportunity, you know, that a career in construction can present. Um, and it, it's a very 
you can take my experience and it's been a very long road and different, but never boring. So I think that's one that I think the K through 12 is really, really important. I think that's where, you know, children, particularly women, I've, I've sort of noticed if you see a six year old girl, she thinks she can do anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't. I mean, that a little girl is like, I, I got this. But something somehow and I don't know if it's education, un, unconscious bias, but somehow frequently by the time that girl is 11 or 12, it's like, I'm not really very good, you know, in math and science. And, and that just breaks my heart um, when I hear that. Um, Other ways I think are, you know, these same stakeholders can provide more scholarships. Um, I know with NIBS, we have a whole committee. It's devoted to nothing but um, awarding scholarships. You know, alumni coming back to institutions. These are all ideas that everyone have talked about. And I think they're all great. The thing, though, I think that where we have to get to is not, and we're doing a good job now of getting to educators and students, but there is this other uh, universe, right, that's effective here, and that's the parents mm-hmm. and the families. Um, and I think that's the most difficult piece to tap into, um, but it, I think that's extremely important. I don't have the answer on how we do that, um, but that I think is a critical part. Completely agree with you. Um, I, we say that all the time at MCCI. Parents are not our not our not an, an enemy by any means to the industry, but just a challenge because they they have the same biases that um, most people do about the industry. And and once we convert parents, I think yeah. uh, we'll will make it make a difference. Well, Jennifer, I, I know you get asked about these kind of things a lot as well. And I can't tell you many of these things I have. And I have men who will send me a, cop, a note on LinkedIn if they saw it or something. And they're like, I really want to make sure my daughter sees that. And um, so I think education, things like this are helpful. But yeah, it's, um, you know, the dads who, you know, mothers and dads who want to be proud of their children. And uh, I will say also as it relates to education. Personally, I think any kind of engineering type education is really great for teaching you to think logically, no matter what you choose to do. Um, and so I think that's the foundation. I, obviously, it's a personal bias of mine, but thinking logically is never going to be a bad thing, no matter what you choose to do. Absolutely. Earlier, you um, alluded to some of the growth opportunities that the construction industry currently has besides just the skilled trades. Um, mm-hmm. What, what are some of those that you think are really exciting right now? Yeah, so you're right. I mean, there are the skilled trades. I think the surveying and mapping, particularly in light of the infrastructure bill, obviously is one. You know, building inspectors, um, and one that I really like is heavy equipment operators. And maybe that's just because I ride a Harley, but I, have, I know some wonderful women who drive these huge vehicles. And so there's that. Probably the most exciting part and I'm biased because I'm in the construction technology side, but I think the technology is, is bring more younger and more talented candidates and also a lot more women into, you know, into considering a career. And, and in that area, the world's somewhat the oyster, right? You've got just the value of data, data analytics and AI ML, um, IOT, where, you know, where can we do that? Cloud computing. And then it's so wonderful to see so many women now that are actually in 
and leadership roles in the whole world of innovation and digital transformation. So, um, so I like to think that there's both. I think the trades are fabulous and I really, I still think that's an area that gets overlooked, but if that isn't your thing, there's still an awful lot of opportunity on the other side. So you mentioned women in innovation. I too have noticed that, I mean, I don't know if it's because I'm a woman, but most of the meetings that I'm in where there's people talking about making huge change to the industry, it's often women. Why do you think that's so? You know, that's a good question. I, I think because we didn't grow up in it. And so we didn't, it's not, you know, everyone says, well, this is the way it's always been done. I think many of us come into it and because we haven't grown up in it and, you know, it's like, well, what, well, why does it have to be done that way? That doesn't make any sense. And so I think you can be, you can question things. People generally look at things this way, but somebody needs to come in and look at it this way as well. So I, I honestly, just like you, not, I really don't 100% know why, but those areas do seem to be really um, where I see a lot of also executive women um, in the industry. And, the, and I think it's got to be exciting to be on the forefront, you know, of that. Absolutely. So I think th this next question is especially prescient during this week, during Women in Construction Week, but I think it's important year round for sure. Um, what are, are some ways that construction firms can be more inclusive uh, and uh, retain their female and women employees? You know, I'm glad you ask it that way, because what I generally get is how do we get more women into the industry? And that is ex is extremely important as well. We are making incremental uh, differences there where most of the conversations I have, though, with my peers is really more of a why do I want to stay? I've gotten to a, a project manager level or director and I can't move past that. How do I get to that next level? And um, so I think, so I want us to continue our efforts to bring more people in, more women into the industry, but we also don't want them walking right back out. And um, that just seems to be a trend. So great, um, great question. I was just looking at an article um, and the woman's name is Dr. Adina Sterling. And she's an associate professor at the graduate school um, of business at Stanford. And here's what she says. Um, and I hope I'm not misquoting it, but she explains that women's lack of representation and advancement is less a pipeline problem and more of a career path challenge, which I think goes to what we just said. So, and, and the research there shows that career and managerial support are the primary factors, right, to women, um, you know, their development and their retention. So I'll be moderating a panel uh, with three wonderful global women uh, in a couple of weeks on the topic of mentorship versus sponsorship, which is, for <laughs> anyone's listening to me, I've always talked about it, but I think it's really beginning to have a groundswell. So moving just from that passive, advice, oh, well, here's what you should do to more of an active sponsorship with, with true actionable steps. Um, there's some other things that I think are important. I think um, we need to include women in the hiring and the promotion decision loop. I think it's also important that we look at when there are promotion shortlists. We should always make sure there are women on there. Um, a lot of the women that I have known in my career and probably myself, if I had to be honest, if I were looking at a position uh, that I wanted, and maybe it's an internal position, I would look at all the items. And if I couldn't check off every single item on that list, I probably wouldn't apply. 
and I can't speak for all men by any means, <laughs> but I, I do believe that many times men are like, well, hey, I've got seven or eight or, you know, whatever, I'm going to go for it. What's the worst that's going to happen? So I think knowing that is important. Um, let's see. Other things I think that are good is, you know, everyone talks about having a diverse workforce, mm -hmm. um, but you really got to like walk the walk and talk the talk. So, you know, like Skanska, for example, has their own women network. Um, Procore, we have women in solution excellence groups things like that. So I think those kinds of events um, and activities really show that you mean what you say. Yeah, I could not agree with anything you said more than I do. <laughs> I completely <laughs> agree. So speaking of women, obviously we're talking about, you know, the construction industry is not 89% male still. So how important, I mean, obviously it's pretty important, but how important do you think these male allies are to the future of women in this industry? I, I may have a slightly controversial opinion on this, but I think it's exceedingly important. Um, I'm beginning to see something that I think is a really interesting trend. And that is a perception that only women can serve as mentors and sponsors for other women. And for me, the irony of that is is incredible because we're basically doing the exact opposite of inclusion when we do that. Um, but the majority of leadership roles in construction are held by men. Um, and I think that um, women are sometimes overlooked based on this unconscious bias. Uh, and I want to make sure I say this very clearly. Um, I emphasize the word unconscious very clearly because I think most men are actually open to a more diverse workforce. But they really aren't sure where to begin or in some cases i'm afraid they're afraid if they say something they may actually offend someone mm -hmm. so i think that um we really do want to to bring them in um and, and then there's just the simple math if men make up 89 percent of the population if we don't bring men as active allies I mean, you will never see gender parity, right? And I don't know if we'll ever get to a point where we see gender parity in construction, probably not in my lifetime anyway. But I do know this, we will never get there unless we involve men in the process. What is your personal outlook on the future of construction? What do you see as some positives and what do you see as areas for improvement? Well, I <laughs> I've always been excited about the industry and always think positively about it. Um, but, you know, I'm happy to see the focus on resilient buildings now. And I'm also happy to see the focus on ESG. I think, at least for me, everyone in many places over the years I've been, the concept of, you know, uh, socially responsible, environmentally responsible was always something people said, but it was like on a wall over there, you know, like, oh yeah, we really, you know, that's really important. But now, you know, this is, this is real and people are actually taking active steps and reporting on that. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, I pretty much spent my career working on trying to improve predictability and productivity. And um, so we are finally and I've been in the industry 30 years, but we are finally beginning to see improvements in these areas, um, you know, through technology. Cloud computing itself has revolutionized, you know, just the ability to to open up those doors. And then it brings in all the other benefits of a diverse, a more diverse workforce, a safer workforce, uh, a better quality of living. So, um, 
are there challenges? Yes, there always are challenges. Um, but I, I personally don't think there's ever been a better time to be in construction. Um, I, it's, it's, it's just it's what I think. I, I could not think of a better time if I were talking to someone than now with the infrastructure bill, with the emphasis on environmental and social responsibility, with technology, which is great. It's, it's just really a different world. I agree. I feel like the industry has come a really long way in a really short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like, I don't know if it was the pandemic, uh, just made it as ripe for change here, but it is really a really exciting industry to be part of right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I spent so many years, I get so tired about all the time. Like, well, you know, manufacturing productivity is going up and why can't you guys do that in construction? And it's, like if it were just that simple, um, you know, <laughs> we don't make the same thing over and over. But I do think the pandemic has forced the use of, um, you know, the adoption. I think we were always going to get there. I think it just kind of gave it a little acceleration. That's great. Agreed. I've had, yeah, I've had lots of conversations with people. Um, obviously, the the huge amount of workforce that's needed. I think the latest number I saw yesterday was 650,000 workers are needed, uh, which has gone up tremendously in the last year or so. It was like 430 just last year. So that alone, um, there's just no way we're going to meet that need right away. So what kind of changes do we need to make as an industry that we might possibly need less people? Uh, And like you said, I do think um, adopting lean technologies and prefabrication, industrializing the industry will also make it a place that more diverse workers can participate in. Right. Some of the parts that make the construction industry so exciting, which is the travel and being on a new job site every so often, also make it difficult for people to participate Mm -hmm. in the construction industry. That's never going to go away. There's still going to be buildings built everywhere, but there are going to be parts of the industry, I think, that are more um, stable. You're going to and from the same place every day for some Mm -hmm. workers. And I I think it's exciting. I'm excited to see uh, organizations like Procore leading the charge on that. Yeah, I mean, it's really so there's so many pieces to unpack there. But one is just the ability to collaborate. I mean, so breaking down those data silos, which is actually a lot of where the inefficiency came from. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I agree. And the other piece we haven't really talked about, and it isn't so much about women, but it does relate to the workforce and that I call it the silver fox syndrome. I don't know what that's just what I call it. You know, there's some amazingly experienced people um, that literally can almost just walk in and see something because they've been doing it for so long. But they're getting to a point where they're retiring. We have this education gap, as you guys know. And then you take edge and then you have to add experience. So the gap is pretty big. Um, so, you know, AR, VR, all those kind of things, I think they allow for that level to actually begin to share their experience in a, in a non-linear way. Um, so I think that's good for the workforce in general. So yeah. speaking of that, uh, what is Procore doing to promote the advancement of women in the construction? Well, I mean, Procore has is, is got one of the best cultures of any company literally I've ever worked with, but, but we are trying to drive change to build a more inclusive and diverse future, right, uh, for construction. And one of the ways, there's many, but one is our Women in Construction Program, or WIC, as, as we, you know, call it. And, you know, the, the goal of that, actually, the mission statement is to just make construction a leader, actually, in workforce equality, uh, to expand the definition of what does construction look like uh, by supporting organizations 
like you and others that, that challenge the bias. And now, and just more importantly than ever, expand the labor pool. Um, we, uh, we work hard to engage with each other, to educate the industry, uh, empower individuals and companies, you know, who want to learn more. There's lots of resources that are not just related to Procore.com, if you will, but Procore.org, right? So we host top industry experts, as I know you guys have seen for articles and webinars. Um, and here's a quick stat for you. We've connected over 12,000 advocates for the advancement of women in construction. For me, that's mind blowing. You know, I know there's lots of organizations that do, but 12,000 is, is pretty significant when you think about the cascading effect. Um, we have a website devoted just to this for, you know, different resources that we have. Um, we have, a, we created in 2019, I believe, a women in construction community group. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we are continuing to work in that area. So we're actually trying, you know, our mission is to improve the lives of everyone in construction. Um, but this specific area is to improve the lives of women in construction. So, I mean, the first time I ever heard about Procore was years and years ago, but mm -hmm. it was at a National Association of Women in Construction event where Procore um, had hosted um, a, a breakout. I think it was a happy hour after a session, but also hosted some sessions as well. I believe there is, they brought some um, superheroes, like super women uh, for okay. us to take photos with. It was pretty adorable, but it was actually a really cool, um, a cool way to learn about an industry. And I, I was very pleased to see that a construction technology company was trying to become a thought leader on something that really has nothing to do with the actual technology, just the industry itself. It was really, really nice to see. It was the first time I saw uh, a company basically devote so much time and energy, something that technically isn't your wheelhouse. Right. Absolutely. And I think that goes back to the mission of, yes, we want to, uh, we do want to improve the lives of everyone in construction. And some of that certainly is to provide great products and uh, platforms, but there's more to it. Right. And so we take that seriously. Um, and it's part of my role actually here is, is to be an evangelist, uh, not just for Procore, but for the construction industry as a whole. And then of course I have my special focus, which is, you know, personal passion, which is women. Uh, I've had an amazing career in this industry and I just would love to help inspire other people to see the options and the, the, um, the opportunities that, that are there. Sandra, you've given us a lot of insight. <laughs> really, uh, really appreciate your time uh, coming for the podcast. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Right. Great seeing you guys. If you want to learn more about Build Your Path podcast or the built environment overall, go ahead and visit buildyourpath.org. Another big thank you to our guest, Sandra Benson from Procore. Build Your Path podcasts are produced by the Maryland Center for Construction, Education, and Innovation. I'm Matt Pine. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.